You're listening to Perspectives. I am your host, David Howard. Thank you once more for listening today as I value this opportunity to minister to each and every one of you. My prayer is that today's message touches you in a very special way and allows God to keep you in perfect peace until we come together once again. It is incredible how our tastes changed over time. Fish sticks and pork and beans and wieners, tuna and string bean casseroles. However, I never quite figured out what the onions are for. Fruitcake, Brussels sprouts, hoghead cheese, and of course, goober grape, of which I do not like any of them even today. I have had the honor and the privilege of watching my grandson and granddaughter grow into the individuals they've become. In fact, I can boast that I alone had the distinct privilege of being the very first to babysit each of them when they were born. They are truly the apples of my eye. Growing up, they had a special diet as their parents worked tirelessly to keep them away from byproducts, fast foods, and unnatural ingredients. No matter how tenuous their effort, my grandson now loves Pawpaw's favorite place, McDonald's. He cannot pass the Golden Arches no matter how distant without making a plea for McNuggets. No, I still don't know what they're made of, but I love them with barbecue sauce, sweet and sour, and honey mustard. And of course, you should try them on your french fries as well. It's absolutely delicious. There is something so alluring that no matter what it lacks in nutritional value, that it keeps him coming back over and over again. He does not know at his age what is or is not healthy for him. He just wants what he wants. The complexity of our pursuit of salvation is like the same. While God knows exactly what is best for us, it does not eliminate our desire for a substitute, even if it's not beneficial or lacks nutritional value like ramen noodles. While similar, very closely associated, it is not the same as our pursuit is now in vain literally exhausted our soul remains famished we continue to feed it ceaselessly but it lacks the essential elements crucial for sustained health and life today's podcast is titled and it's a lengthy title the people are hungry but we're feeding them the wrong thing Please turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 35. And it reads, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There is no alternative for Jesus. We can neither add to nor take away from his divine authority and purpose for humanity. Our hope rests in Christ alone. Wherewith then do we debate the necessities of faith, adding layers as the Pharisees and scribes of the day, a pointless doctrine, dogma, and meaningless theologies and individual philosophies to those merely seeking to eat and find nourishment for their wearied souls? 
making it nearly impossible from the appearance sake for anyone to be saved. Bearing forth the question, as found in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 25, who then can be saved? Advantageous or not, there are plenty of things we ingest, not literally, but spiritually, that tend to set us on the path that invokes varying views of society and the world. We are ceaselessly bombarded 24-7 with information, regardless of its necessity, to be founded in truth. It is easy to be misled as a little truth, just a sprinkle mixed with a lie, untruth, can appear to be fact. I am speaking biblically, therefore we carry it forward as if it is so, 100% true and authentic. We have unlimited access to so much information, but the truth still remains elusive. That is in part because the basis of our research lacks spiritual context as we saturate our minds with knowledge and numerical facts, quips and quotes, rather than feeding the necessity of our heart. We wind up in never-ending debates, deliberating meaningless topics that do not serve the greater need of God's people. They increase the scale of confusion having little or nothing to do with the essential tenets of salvation, such as the fruit that Adam and Eve partook of. Did the serpent have legs? The origins of humanity, did we come from Africa or Asia? The garden's location, where is Noah's ark or Lot's wife? Where is the Ark of the Covenant, Jesus' shroud, or the cup, the chalice he drank from during the Last Supper? Where is Moses' body buried? What happened to Judas upon his death? Whether or not the nails that pierced Jesus' hands went through his palm or his wrist? Who is the Antichrist, or what do angels look like? Who are God's rightful people, and on and on and on. None of which aids in the simplistic nature of one's decision to give their life to Christ. A life in which the absence thereof leads to an eternity longing for the Savior's presence alone. John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4 and also verse 14 read as such. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And verse 14 reads, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The spirit of the letter tells us who Jesus is. From his beginning to the present age, the word him tells us from whence he came, his purpose and the fulfillment of his destiny. It tells us he is the only begotten of the Father, he in whom we place our trust, in whom we receive the abundance of his grace and mercy. It is through the word him that we become repentant, in whom we cast aside our earthly desires 
and yield to his perfect will for us. However, we cannot recognize such unless the word Jesus is made alive, quickened in our soul. Salvation is not a condensed search lacking sincerity, acclability, or depth. It is the substance in which we with the greatest hope desire to renew our fellowship with God. How many of us or how often have we lived our lives and no matter the enormity of our success, feel an enduring emptiness as if something is always missing. We own mansions and cars as well as good salary jobs. Family life is fantastic. Our kids graduate from the finest institutions of learning. Our 401ks are plush with cash. Our financial advisor is always on point. We have a well-planned retirement. We are in peak physical condition. And yet when we take inventory, something yet remains. A feeling of emptiness as if we are still incomplete. Our hearts yearn, but we know not why, as a sense of absence and lowliness takes hold. We strive and fight for notoriety, our place in the limelight. We have all the praise and adulation as crowds of people shout the splendor of our name. But our soul, regardless of its necessity, is left malnourished and starved for the bread of life. Jesus is ceaselessly declaring, Here I am. Learn of me. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Seek me while I may be found. I am he who supplies your needs. But we neglect to either recognize eating the wrong thing or heed not eating at all. His plea, all the while ignoring the deep-seated anxiety of endlessly wanting more. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. People are indeed starving, but we constantly, perpetually, enduringly feed them the wrong thing. We cannot find ourselves being comforted to the world, but rather find ourselves in a position in which we, God's people, are transforming it. Salvation, grace, and mercy are not foreign, nor are they abbreviated word searches in which we find gratification in clicking and surveying endless amounts of results. Akin to fast food, it is certainly satisfying, even if for a brief moment, but it is not enough long-term to sustain us, to keep us, to lead us, to guide us, and to preserve us. We are indeed what we eat. If you ever want to ruin the perfect complement of vegetables, which is peas and carrots, add lima beans. If you want to spoil the elementary nature of God's word, blend it with worldly knowledge and wisdom. There was a man named Simon the sorcerer, not of the fellowship of Christ, who believed after bewitching the people for usury, he could purchase the power of God. 
having only heard the apostles were passing and exhibiting miracles along the way, he believed it was an entitlement that was mutually his. But they, however, rebuked him, saying in Acts chapter 8, verses 18 to 24, When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give them also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Simon heard and beheld the acts of the apostles, but his motives were self-serving, out of alignment with God as the means of furthering taking advantage of people for selfish gain. God's word is an eternal gift. It sustains us. It is not a barter as a means of exploitation. There are no private interpretations, no secrets to reveal. Just the simplicity of the mystery, which is Christ in you. We continue to have swelling debates about irrelevant topics, adding ingredients that rarely add substance to the merits of salvation and the nourishment of our souls, but rather sustain our argument if only for the sake of being right, even if we know we are in error and out of order. All the while, the pains of humanity are crying aloud, yearning in earnest expectation for something of far greater substance, something relevant in which they are able to cling with the greatest assurance. We should be able to give credence to the scriptural taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Taste and see. Take a look about the calamities that take hold of the least of us. The homeless upon which the torrent of rain is poured. One in whose tongue is tied and unable to speak, awaiting for a message of hope. One with a life-altering diagnosis. The assurance of a parent that they need when a child is heartbreakingly lost as it was never intended for a parent to bury their child. The words of faith as one has been locked away for a crime they did not commit. A young mother left alone to make a life and death decision. What of the need of those from every form of addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, sex, and the like, or the saving grace and hope for one so overwhelmed they consider making one final suicide attempt. As I received news this week of a well-known, highly decorated leader who tragically took his own life, I would say that they, the world, is undeniably starving, looking for something of substance to carry them over their daily bread, enough to give them courage and hope for tomorrow, 
to demonstrate that while Christ died and rose again, that was not the end of the story. God's words are building blocks of faith in which our souls are eternally anchored. It is that in which we can steadfastly place the entirety of our confidence because of the multitude of promises that we have seen revealed therein. The words unveiled in Genesis through Revelation are enough to feed us. It is a wellspring in which we are promised never to thirst again. It is enough to nourish us in the wilderness of life and deliver us out of bondage of the flesh. It is enough for us to resist the things that afflict us. It gives us strength to fight and the fearlessness to endure. It teaches us to speak out when the moment requires and to be silent and hold our peace, knowing that God is able to do everything he has promised. His word, the word, gives us an abundance of illustrations to rightly address every situation we may encounter and opens the doors of redemption and of salvation that cannot be found anywhere else in the world. Two testaments, old and new, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, and 783,137 words. God's word is enough to sustain us. Give us this day our daily bread. God's word is alive. It is a living, breathing document in which contains the promise of eternal life quicken in the hearts of the believer. Lastly, because he lives in his people, we can share with the hopeless a kingdom to come and describe the magnificence of heaven with amazing detail. And while wonderfully stated, it does a little to satisfy some's immediate need. Therefore, leaving them empty as mere passers-by on an aimless journey. They are hungry, they are famished and athirst, waiting ever so patiently as those that awaited Jesus when they heard of his coming, desperate to feed the precious word of God. Thank you so much for listening and sharing today's episode. As Perspectives continues its outreach, I humbly ask for your prayers as I seek from God what it is that I should share with you each week. If you enjoy what you have heard, please subscribe using the Anchor or Spotify platforms. If you are listening to me via Anchor, leave a voice response by clicking the message button and start recording as the button turns red and follow the corresponding instructions. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. You can also send an email to me at howarddc42 at yahoo.com or text to the phone number from which you received today's episode. May God bless each and every one of you and may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again.